Welcome to Backroom Talk. Uh, good old topic of periodization to hit on today. It's great for context. But it's not great when we think that it's the end-all be-all and we have to like follow this very specific model with the person that wants to do BJJ three times a week and resistance three times a week. Like talking linear periodization, we're just talking about over a period of time, I guess typically a year for that macro cycle. You could use undulating method and keep exercises the same though, correct? And mm -hmm. just be manipulating yep. reps and volume and intensity. Yep. Okay. To listen to more Backroom Talk, be sure to subscribe. Learn to design personalized programs with the OPEX system of coaching by heading to opexfit.com. All right, guys, welcome to another episode of Backroom Talk. I am here with Carl, and uh, we got a good, uh, good, good old topic of periodization to hit on today. Yes, yeah, yeah. This, uh, this stemmed from our conversation this past weekend uh, from Digital Immersion. Yep. So all of our coaches come on. What do we have, like 100? Yeah, yes. 100-ish coaches on the call, and we kind of go through our method, and periodization was, a, was actually a piece that was hit on in the Q&A sec section with James, so... Uh, we were muted, so we were in the background. We we're kind of talking about it, and we decided to do this podcast on it because there's some uh, some good stuff I think to go through. Yeah, feeling feeling inspired. But uh, but before we get to that, Carl, you got an article to share with me yeah. and our listeners. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's cool to stay a little bit uh, relevant in like what's happening in the world and how does that affect us as as coaches and how does it how does it affect the industry? So um, yeah. I found a an interesting product um, and kind of read through this article, which was released on Monday. Um, so the, the the product has been in development for about eighteen months now. So it was actually pre COVID. When I first looked at it, I was like, "Oh, this is a response to COVID. Someone's trying to cash in." And these this team actually was working on this since uh, November of twenty nineteen. So the product is called Chemtai, and the the article says, I guess we can kind of link it in the description. Yeah, right? yeah, we'll throw it there, guys. But the the title of the article is Chemtai Promises AI-Based Workouts with Live Feedback for $19 a Month. And as you read through this, so it's a fairly extensive interview between um, Athletech and um, I think there's three founders of Chemtai, Chemtai. And essentially what this thing is, and I just want your thoughts on it. What this thing is, it's an AI-based uh, program that you get for $19 a month and it's able to utilize whatever camera you have. So there's no software, there's no equipment, there's nothing that you have to buy. So they talk a lot about um, Tempo, Tonal, Peloton in this article and the, the interviewer asks like, what's the difference? And the biggest difference in what, these, what this group is doing is uh, they're taking your movement and they're breaking it down. They're telling you what you're doing well, what you're not doing well. We've seen that. The kicker is, is that their goal is to give trainers a platform to scale. So the way this works, it's like, let's say that you throw away everything you ever have believed about fitness and I lose all respect for you. And you're like, I'm going to go on this platform all in. No offense. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go, I'm going to go all in on this platform. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to build these, you know, five training programs and these training programs, I want the interaction to be like, so let's say, I also fall into your camp and I'm like, George, I want to hire you now. And you're, and you're like, okay, so we're going to do it through this platform. You're going to purchase my program or you're just going to use my program on this platform and you're going to be with me three days a week. 
on these three days a week. We're going to do this split on Monday, this split on Wednesday, this split on Friday, and we're going to do this thing for X amount of weeks, and I'm going to be your personal trainer. So you have to video exactly what these sessions are going to look like. So these trainers have to move well, right? Because what the AI does is it takes your movement and it, or it takes my movement and it compares it against your movement. So let's say, God forbid, George is teaching me how to squat. That would be really <laughs> bad, guys, for those that have seen my squat. It's, just kidding, just kidding. It's not good. It's yeah. not good. No, it's, it's okay. It's, it's you. It works for me. And it's I think you. that's where I'm going to go with this. Uh, exactly. Yep. So it's going to take your squat and you're going to be like, root me on, Carl, we're doing this, blah, blah, blah. And the AI is going to look through my camera and it's going to tell me, uh, you're doing this wrong, you're doing this right. Uh, and But it's going to tell me, like, you know, ensure that ensure that those knees are going outside of the pinky toe or ensure that that torso is upright based on what it recognizes from you. So that's the interesting thing. It's like the trainer is now – and what they say is that's like their competitive advantage. One of their competitive advantages is that a trainer can deliver a training program exactly how they want it to look, right? But now that calls in the question. It's like <laughs> – can a trainer actually do exactly what they want their clients to do? And I would argue most trainers know, like you, like not, there's very few humans that can move eloquently or perfectly across all movements and all exercises. So anyway, that's, that's what the platform is. And there's also like some other stuff where it's like, you know, a magic workout creator where it's like, I want to do this type of workout. I want it to take this much time. I want to blah, blah, blah. And then they spit those things out to you or you can follow your trainer or a trainer that you really like. So is the trainer on live with the client? Nope. The client's just on with the AI and the AI is the trainer for the that AI, session. Yep. The trainer develops the training program and the AI does all of the work in terms of recognizing how the trainer is moving, recognizing what exercises the trainer is doing and that AI communicates with the person. So it's not the trainer per se, it's the AI that's communicating with you. Is there any communication between the trainer and the client? Okay. Can't so it be. truly it truly allows that trainer to scale to 500 yeah. or 1,000 or yep. 50,000 clients online. Yep. And it's like it has to be a – they didn't get into it, but it has to be kind of a, a, a profit share or like a – you know, the, the client is paying $19 a month. What if they're, you know, following thousands of trainers? It's like our trainers just getting pennies. It's like it, it would have to be, right? So I think it's based on uh, views. So Got I think it. that's how they're going to pay the trainers. It's okay. like how many people view your exercise program. And so the trainers are going to be in there almost as like instructors on the platform and any client can choose any trainer inside of the exactly. platform. Yeah. Got it. Got yeah. it. So it's a, it's a typical like, you know, Apple health play where it's like we have this, you know, library of trainers and you find your favorite one or you change it up based on how you're feeling and what the, what mood they're bringing. So I think that's what they're going for. You just have, uh, you have options. Yeah, I mean, the first thing comes to, that comes to mind is the problems around saying everyone needs to move one way, mm-hmm. and that way is based on this trainer because we know <laughs> plenty of trainers that do not move well. I've got faults in my movement. You've got some faults in your movement. Everyone does. Oh, I don't know about that. Carl's no, actually perfect. Wait till you see a scratch test. <laughs> no, but none of us, none of us move perfectly. We all have different anthropometrics. We all have different goals, like what we want to get out of that movement. I might do a rear foot elevated split squat and keeping my torso really upright. Someone else might, you know, lean forward because they're trying to get a different dose from that exercise. So it just completely. But they say that that's a positive. They're saying you have options, right? It's like they're saying exactly what you're saying and they're, they're leaning into that. 
and they're like everyone moves they the the, the thing that they say in the article is um they say fitness is like music right there's there's types of exercises that go through trends right which is true which is true there's things that are hot right now that aren't that ha- that weren't hot a year ago there's things that catch and what people want to do um i just think of our conversation yesterday with like the hip, the hip thrust and and how popular that's become um but they're saying they're leaning into that they're saying that hey we we're gonna have thousands of trainers on this platform and they all they all have a different take on it you you choose your own journey i think the issue comes is that people that are paying 19 dollars a month to get trained online they don't know what the hell journey they're supposed to take so i think that'll become an issue where it's like there's going to be they're going to be inundated with too many options and this platform will be very similar to going on google and asking what's the best way to squat right you're going to get so many different answers and you know uh general population individual is going to be like i don't know what the hell i don't know what to believe i don't know what to do right so um maybe they'll have answers for that issue in there but that's the issue that comes to my mind immediately when you say like options yeah i mean we know this based on the uh crossfit experiment and time in a group class environment, people don't know their own capabilities and they're very unaware of their own movement. And a lot of people think they're capable of things that they're not capable of just because it's happening around them and they see someone else doing it. And so if you've got someone who, you know, can't do an overhead press, who's suddenly following this trainer doing an overhead press and the AI is giving them feedback, are they actually going to listen to the AI and Mm -hmm. care what the AI has to say if they're not listening to a group class instructor and caring what that group class instructor in real life has to say i don't i don't know i mean you know the barrier to entry is so low that it's very easy to to just press x and find a new trainer um because there's no buy-in right it's like you'll jump you'll jump from one program to another on a day-to-day basis until you find your perfect program but the reality is people will never find their perfect program they're just going to be kind of out there floating around um i think it could get interesting if they're like you know (laughs) our bias here, but I think it'd get interesting if they're like, we're going to do this very specific assessment on the front end and we're going to give you training programs that are based on that assessment. I just fucking walk through personal, like individualized fitness. Right. But, um, that could be interesting. Um, and they, you know, molded and, and shift it up and, and all of that based on, based on, uh, your, your improvements or not. In, in that assessment, whatever that assessment being. But yeah, I just think when you have so many options, there's, there's, you're never going to find the one that works well for you because you're not going to stick to it. Yeah. It kind of uh, goes against everything that we believe in, in the ability to jump from program to program uh, with, you know, just based on how you're feeling that day and not, you know, moving in a way that is thought out and somewhat progressive we're going to kind of talk about that today (laughs) actually Um, but not you know not choosing exercise based on what is trying to move you forward to your ideal version of fitness throughout life but what looks fun and sexy and exciting on that day yeah I mean the reality is is that this is this is happening like this is happening and there's companies like this that are going to do it well um and well is so relative right like well just means you have something that does exactly what they say it's going to do and it does it effectively um that's the reality so we have to think about you know in this industry how does it affect us as coaches and how does it affect what we do as coaches um before i give my 
I think we can end it there. But before I give my feedback on that or my answer to that, what, what would yours be? Like, how does, how do platforms and technologies like this affect coaches? I think they could offer great opportunity for coaches if there is the ability to have something like an assessment built in on the front end where you end up with a program that is actually tailored to that person based on that assessment that the coach then has some ability to go in and control. And, you know, we work remotely with people. It would be awesome if those remote clients could actually get feedback that we trusted in real time based on their assessment data and their movement and not our movement. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want my client's movement to be judged against mine. That would be crazy. Yeah. So I think that could be awesome like it really would open up the ability to remote coach more effectively because one of the big shortcomings of it is not being able to give live in-person feedback and Mm -hmm. people need that (laughs) like we can there are some athletes and some you know elite people that don't but I'd say the majority of people in a remote setting would would benefit from the occasional little like on the floor cue or uh, movement correction from a coach so it could be a great possibility if there were the ability for that assessment. And again, movement based on that person's movement on the front end. What it does devalue, if it wasn't coupled, which this isn't, um, is the relationship factor and what a coach can provide uh, in terms of you know that, that relationship that we build over time. There's obviously nothing related to lifestyle here. So exercise is completely separated from nutrition and behavior, which we believe those things need to be like this uh, together. So it doesn't, like something like this doesn't threaten the value of the relationship that a coach can provide. And then that cohesive nutrition, behavior and lifestyle program but I, I don't see how it could, I'm trying to figure out like how, uh, how we could take advantage of something like this and have those things be, be a part of it too. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I think we, in our little world, we think that at home fitness is like this new trend, but it's not right. Like, you know, VHS Jane Fonda tapes have been sold for decades and decades and decades, right? Like that's, at home fitness has always been a thing. Um, it's just more prevalent in gym goers eyes because they lost gyms. Right. But there's a, there's a huge, there's a huge population of people that, uh, do fitness quote unquote, without ever stepping into a gym, whether that's doing, you know, at home yoga, um, you know, YouTube videos or, uh, aerobic step classes or whatever the case is. Like there's a, there's a huge population of people that, that move without ever going to the gym. Um, this, in my opinion, devalues program design more, right? Like it, it makes, it makes what a really good program designer, quote unquote, can do right now and the value that they bring less valuable as platforms like this spin up. Um, because let's, let's be honest, right? It's like, even us as coaches and our brains, like it, it, it works very similar to what they're trying to build. You know what I mean? Like we have information stored and when we run into a problem, we go back to that stored information and we try to solve that problem. The reality of a human brain is that we can't be 100% concise and consistent every single time in the way that we go back and we access that stored information and we write that stored information inside of CoachRx. We're going to mess up. The thing with AI is that if it's built really well, it's not going to mess up. It's not going to, right? It's like you start to look at, you know, 
outside of fitness, like what is AI doing right now in robotics? That stuff is unbelievable, right? Like unbelievable what's happening in Boston and what's happening with autonomous cars and, and, and all of that. It's like, that's some, that's some pretty unbelievable stuff. And all those are cameras or um, sensors. That's it. And those cameras can take an infinite amount of photos and remember everything. It's a photographic memory, right? It's like, that's what technology is. So we don't have that, <laughs> right? Like we don't, uh, general, general coaches don't have a, a photographic memory. So this is actually going to be more reliable than our brains are. But like you said, now we have to get into the grays and, and that information for us, their principles, right? The information for this platform is whatever data that they have inside of this platform, which are this platform's principles. So they can build those principles out as big as they want. It starts to get shitty when you have so much data that you're not actually, when you go and pull information and put it onto a program or pull information to give it to another person, what is it based off of, right? Like we can rest easy because we're like, okay, the data that we store is based off of our principles and our principles are aligned with this being the outcome. Data inside of this isn't aligned with this being the outcome specifically, like they can change it and make it that way, right? Like what does Tesla's data do in self-driving? The outcome is we don't want to kill people. That's it, right? Like we don't want people to get into car accidents. So that's their outcome. So anytime someone gets into a car accident, they're like, oh fuck, why did that happen? Let's fix it, clean it up. And that'll likely never happen again. You know what I mean? So um, how are they how are they building their database? That's the that's the interesting question. If they build it effectively, uh, it makes coaches and really good program designers a little bit obsolete in terms of putting A, Bs, and Cs on paper. But now we can get really lengthy in this, but we won't. Uh, the adjustments, how you adjust to the way someone's feeling on a day-to-day basis, how you have a conversation with people, how you how you prescribe lifestyle pieces to people based on what they're capable of, or, you know, you're standing in front of someone and having a conversation like AI just can't do that. They can't feel that, you know? Um, and immediately when I say that, I think about Emma, do you mind if I use you as, as an example? I, uh, I think about, so I coach Emma and Emma and I had a conversation two weeks ago on the gym floor and Emma was like distraught. She's like, I'm in a, bad place in terms of like sleep and uh you know i'm not overly stressed i don't know what the hell is going on right like ai probably wouldn't be able to like emma let me prescribe this to you right and it's like there has to be conversation back and forth you have to understand what the heck is really going on and then you have to think about like okay here are a list of five prescriptions which ones should we use to make the most immediate impact because that wasn't a situation where it was like yeah, my program for you on Wednesdays, it'll have to wait till then. It was like so obvious that she was so distraught right there. Even if we we're in a remote setting, I probably would have just been like, okay, yeah, I'll make some adjustments. But like just seeing Emma's face, right? And like seeing how tired she looked and like she just wanted to figure this out. It was like, okay, we need to figure this thing out right now. Um, can AI do that? I don't think so. I don't think so. Probably not yet, but I, I do think at some point it's going to be able to. Uh, there's already the ability for, I mean, com- computers, cameras to look at, you know, people's emotions and mm-hmm. very reliably predict what that person is feeling and the emotion they're feeling. And it's not all integrated in a way where you mm-hmm. have this like coach in your pocket. Who... Yeah, too many variables. Exactly. Yeah, too many variables. I think AI can 
can identify what Emma's emotion, like emotion state in that moment is. And then AI can have like some data in the back where it's like, do this, do this, do this, do this. But let's say I asked Emma a question and I was like, you know, I won't even get specific. Let's just say I asked Emma a question. And the reason why I asked that question wasn't to get the answer, but I wanted to feel, I wanted to feel the answer. Like if she said like, yes, no, maybe it's like, yes, no, maybe actually didn't matter. It was like, how did she say yes, no, or maybe, or what was, what, what happened, you know, in her facial expression as I was asking or finishing asking that question and what's inside of that database. Right. And what am I going to do? Uh, if it doesn't work, how am I going to check in on making sure that it works? There's so many variables where it's like, yes, you can build a program to solve for that, but there's just, there's, there's nothing that can replicate this. There's nothing that can replicate it. There's nothing. And I don't think there ever will be anything that can replicate it, um, in a way that is natural, real, you know what I mean? Like, I think like questions can be answered and data can get, can get, you know, uh, move from one person to another, but I don't think, uh, you know, a real conversation can ever be replicated. Yeah. I think the most effective coaches in the future are going to be the ones that can actually leverage things like this AI to help them with the things that the AI can do very effectively, which is take the assessment data and turn it into A's, B's and C's. But they're going to do that in tandem with the human factor, um, and like double down on that human factor. Uh, and yeah, hopefully uh, there's still a place for us in 50 years. Yeah. Yeah. And if there's not, hopefully it's hopefully it's because, you know, the end consumer found a really good uh, um, uh, solution to whatever their problem is. Right. And if their problem is I want to be healthier and I want to live longer and I want to feel great. And if like coaches are obsolete, but that answer is is solved for those people, it's like, okay, cool. Like we're back there. But if it's like, if it's this and it's, it's a hit training, um, which they mentioned and it's like, you know, just giving people what they think they want. Um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully that doesn't take coaches out, but if, uh, the outcome is good, I think, I think we'd be all all okay with it. Look, like you said before, I think it's going to be that portion of the population that is already doing home fitness. That's going to take advantage of this. And the people that are currently in gyms being coached, I don't think that they're going to all of a sudden think that this $19 per month AI platform is going to be the answer to their problems. Yeah. Maybe they will. Yeah. Reality is it, it, it will be the answer to, um, a good amount of people's problems for an amount of time. Yeah. But you know, longevity and sustainability is, um, how we would measure success. And, you know, we saw it, we, we see it all the time with different methods of fitness. You know, we think like our model and personalized fitness isn't, is probably not the best place for everyone to start, but it's the best place for everyone to finish. Right. Yeah. Um, it's always good when people have, uh, you know, less than stellar experiences in fitness before they hire a personalized coach, because there has to be like some problems that need to be solved, solved to, to be like, okay, I'm going to hire this coach and, you know, we're going to build this relationship and I'm going to spend a premium for them. Right. Like, if someone has never had problems in fitness, they're, they're not going to go immediately there. They're going to go here and then they're going to do it for an amount of time. And then they're going to realize they need something more. And then they're going to go to the next thing, whatever the hell the next thing is over this $19 uh, per month thing. And then they get to, you know, a coach or, or they don't. Right. But I, I just don't think that, you know, uh, individual design 
is the very is like the very first thing this the first step right now in our world hopefully in you know two decades it is last point on that and then i promise we can move (laughs) on to periodization but wouldn't it be cool if we get to the point where individual design coaching is actually way more cost effective so a larger amount of the population can hire a coach because of things like ai that let a coach scale and actually work with more clients just as effectively Again, really double down on the relationship, but not spend so much time necessarily on coaching movement or writing Mm -hmm. programs. So they get to double the time they're having consultations and working on lifestyle with people because this stuff is being taken care of with AI. Uh, That'd be great. Yeah, I think it just depends on... Fuck, we're extending this out. But I think it's important. It's an important conversation. I think it depends on what that coach's desired outcome is because if if it is... developing a relationship like you said that can't be that can't be done quickly right like you can't really can't actually scale that like Mm -hmm. let's be honest you can't scale relationship building you just can't do it that's like a physical therapist trying to scale their business through technology that's like an md trying to scale their business through technology or an attorney trying to scale their business through technology i don't know if you've ever like hired an attorney and like done the back and forth of an attorney but it's time. Yeah. You're on calls for an hour at a time. It's like, how do you scale that? And, you know, if there's an issue, you're on you're on 10 of those calls a month. You just took 10 hours of that attorney's time, but it's okay because you're paying $400 an hour for that attorney. So depending on where you want to sit as a coach, um, if it is that relationship piece or, you know, really making a, a big difference in people's lifestyles and being a part of that, you have to be okay with coaching less people and charging a premium. If it is true scale and you're like, you know, I want to spend a lot less time, almost no time per client per month, then like your outcome or your desired outcome can't be, I want to build really good relationships. You can say that shit, but that's not your real outcome that you want to, that you want to develop. I think scale is the wrong word then. Um, but maybe it's being able to work with twice the amount of people for, you know, 40% less of the cost it would per month uh, for individual design coaching you can work with double the people because you're not spending 10 hours a week on program design Mm -hmm. and you're actually allocating those 10 hours a week to consultation uh to client feedback um to you know being on coach rx communicating with your clients there so that's where people should be today without this though like we already have technology in place that can make program design pretty quick yeah we have principles in place that can make program design pretty quick Um, So we've been saying that for years, right? Like that's where you should be today. Um, I don't think you need this to to get there. Um, I think coaches need to get out of their own ways to get there, but I don't think you need, you know, AI. It's very easy to put A, B, C, D, and then just, you know, do that a couple times a week and have good conversations with your clients. Well, let's talk about some principles to uh, help some coaches get out of their own way. (laughs) Yeah, let's do it. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Ooh, that was a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was interesting uh, when I read that one. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. And guys, mm-hmm. we will drop that article below so you can have your own thoughts. If uh, there's something you want to share with us, just drop it in the in the comments. We read that stuff, so we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, I would actually, I would actually love to hear what people think about that. Um, it's so easy for us to have these siloed conversations, but uh, you know, we're looking at this from from a different point of view. And quite frankly, we're not even coaching full time anymore. So it's easy for me to say that without, you know, coaching, like say the things that I'm saying without 
you know, relying on, on coaching to feed my family at this point. So definitely yeah. sitting here now, ivory tower. <laughs> yeah. And my, give us some, <laughs> sitting here in my gray, Ikea chair. My gray fabric. <laughs> we could have lied. We could have said it was from like, what's a, what's a good furniture store? Uh, West, this is our West, West, Elm. West Elm chair. No, this we're costs not those people. This $966 minus 900. Yeah. I think it was a hundred bucks at Ikea. <laughs> Anyway. <laughs> so periodization. Should we talk about it? Yeah, let's do it. May as well. Yeah. I think uh, we should start with some definitions and actually just okay. talk through uh, popular models of periodization um, because I think it'd be good to get that out of the way. And then some of the pros and cons of each one and more broadly, like should coaches actually be periodizing programs or not? Oof. Which I know we have a short and a long answer to. Yeah. 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 Where do you want to start? Uh, models of periodization. Okay. Let's go there. Let's, oh, go ahead. Linear first. Yeah, that, start with linear. That feels like uh, the most obvious example. And like talking linear periodization, we're just talking about over a period of time. I guess typically a year for that macro cycle. Yeah. Fair to say. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Depending. Uh, like if you're an Olympic athlete, that's four, four years. years. Yeah. If you're if you're um, a regular person, that's probably 40 years. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where it's weird, <laughs> where right? It's weird, With yeah. linear periodization, because mm -hmm. we're talking about basically going from higher volume, lower intensity to lower volume, higher intensity over that time span. Yeah. 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 And can you do that forever? <laughs> yeah. Interesting thing for coaches watching and they have clients that are coming in. It's like, you know, is a, is a macro cycle the length of time that you for are that you know that you're for sure coaching that client client comes in they sign a 12 month agreement <laughs> it's like is macro cycle one 12 minutes or 12 months i don't know yeah i think we argue most people most people aren't going to coach anyone for 40 years no it's like your significant other or something like that well yeah i hope i'm coaching jacob for 40 <laughs> years and i hope you're coaching janice but uh i think we want to treat our clients like they're going to be doing physical exercise for uh 40 years or mm -hmm. 50 years or 80 years, depending on how young they are. So even if we're not the ones that are laying out that periodization that entire time, I want to, I think we want to consider that someone is going to be, and then what we're doing today is going to set them up for what happens 15 years from now. Mm -hmm. Yep. I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it becomes really challenging where you're not just thinking about preparing someone for one, a one year event, one event, one time per year or once every four years and you are thinking about a longer period of time because there's only so long you can again continue to decrease volume and increase intensity and yeah. then it's like at this point what happens do we just like drop off the cliff mm -hmm. what happens here yeah i think uh i think i think the idea in practice it's difficult to be like okay this is what you should do this is how long a long-term plan should be so on and so forth but in practice i think it's very beneficial for coaches to do because it sets context for that for that program yeah and i think the more context that we have as coaches the less we have to think about so you know even going through the the monotonous task of saying this program this macro cycle is going to be january 1st 2021 to december 31st 2021 once you click good on that it, there's almost like a, a freeing feeling of like okay I, I know I know the confines in which I'm working inside of right now, right? And then you go in and you create the mesocycles and um, the short-term plans and all of that, and you're working inside of those confines. So it's just really good context. What happens uh, the next year? You do the same thing. 
But before you do that the first time, like you said, you have to understand, you know, how long is this thing really, right? Uh, have a conversation with your client, but for someone that's just doing fitness to, to feel good and, and because they want to move, it's like you got to do that shit for the rest of your life. So that's what you're saying. It's like, hey, your your macro cycle is actually 50 years, but I'm just going to think about it right now in one-year increments. But every time I, I write a, a, a macro cycle or a meso cycle, I'm thinking about what I'm putting inside of it and if it actually leads to that 50-year plan. You know what I mean? So, um, sorry, let's get back to linear periodization. I think yeah. we went off a little bit. Yeah, no, I, I think it's important context to give though. Uh, what would you say are the positives of linear periodization? Um, it works for most people. Yeah. yeah. It works for most people until it doesn't. And mm -hmm. then you realize when it stops working for people. Uh, it's very, it's very easy, right? Like there's objective measures inside of it that tell you if someone's progressing uh, based on how you want them to progress or not. Um, and then it keeps you honest as a coach as well in terms of, you know, when do I shift things up for my client? Uh, am I progressing them too quickly? I.e., you know, week two, they're not able to do any more than they did week one. Um, am I holding my, am I, am I holding myself accountable in terms of the, the exercises that I'm giving them, right? And is there a rhyme or reason in those exercises that I'm giving them? And it thinks, it makes coaches think about, you know, what's happening four, six, eight, 12 weeks down the road, week one. So, um, yeah, linear periodization works, works a lot better for beginners than it does for, you know, people that have been doing this for 20 years. Um, uh, but it, it's, uh, it's tried and true and it works. Yeah, it's definitely a, it's a simple way to think about uh, periodization and progressing that client's program and moving through different cycles throughout the year. Yep. It just the word linear like says that it's very progressive, um, you know, just a really simple way of thinking about it. So it's tempting to want to go there even with more advanced clients because you're like, this just makes sense. It's just, it just works. Yeah. yeah it doesn't yeah. work, but uh, for everyone, but mm -hmm. In, in your brain, in the coach's brain, I think it just works. Yeah, for advanced clients, though, just uh, just to throw that one in there, um, I think when we say that it doesn't work for advanced clients, we think about uh, advanced clients that have been doing this exercise for a long period of time. Yeah. Right, so it's like someone that's been benching for 30 years. It's like you're not going to put them on a, a linear program. If they've been doing it, like, in some kind of correct way for 30 years, you're not going to put them on a linear program year 31 in the bench press and they're going to see like these awesome gains week over week. But if that, if that same client has been doing that same bench press for 30 years and they never did a single arm dumbbell uh, bench press, it's like you could probably actually throw that in and, and progress it very linearly because they're still learning the movement even though their training age is so large. So the type of exercises that you want to progress linearly are very important to consider when giving anyone uh, linear periodization program, but advanced, advanced people can still benefit from a linear program. Just, you just got to be very specific in terms of what exercises you're giving them. And even if we go with another method of periodization, which we'll get into shortly, there's still going to be some linear nation, linear uh, nature to, to what you're giving them throughout I thought you were that. creating a new word right there. <laughs> linear nation. Linear, <laughs> linear, I like it. Emma, is that a word? I don't think so. She's shaking her head. She's, I'm not one to make up She did this, but she took her head no. So it was almost <laughs> like, we got the okay. So linea, lin, linear nature. Lineation. Uh. Lineation. So we have so much lineation in yes. this program. Gosh, I'm going to use that now. <laughs> <laughs> lineation. You're going to think you're so smart on the next CCP call when you pull that out. Like, what's this new fancy uh, periodization you method? Guys, you guys wouldn't get it. <laughs> 
No, but there's always going to be linear characteristics that are happening, even if someone's doing undulating or block periodization, which we'll, we'll get to uh, later on. Um, where was I going to go? Cons? Cons, yeah. Negatives negatives of linear periodization. I guess we talk about uh, we talk about general population, people who are training to get healthy and strong a lot of the time, but I think we need to consider athletes as well because mm-hmm. there are coaches working with athletes. And what if an athlete has like a bunch of competitions throughout the year that they need to be prepared for? Can you just give them a 12-month, you know, macro cycle linear periodization and think that they're going to do well at those competitions? Uh, what kind of athlete? Uh, cross, let's say CrossFit athlete. Yeah. Modal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, the, the things that are inside of that, that program are going to look obscene, you know, based on like what was in, what's inside of a program for a bodybuilder. But it's still linear, right? It's still linear periodization. You're still going through like you know, accumulation, intensification, like those blocks are linear. Uh, when you look at them in isolation, like this accumulation block is very linear. And then it's going into this intensification block, which is very linear because it has to, right? Like, you know, the definition that you laid out in uh, linear periodization, it's like volume goes down, intensity goes up. And then what does that bode well for? That bodes very well uh, for going from a, a, an accumulation phase into an intensification phase. And then they go to a pre-competition phase and then they have their competition and then they hit reset and they do it all over again. And then, you know, you see, you see athletes that have like, you know, a competition on January 1st and then they have another one on February 28th. It's like, you're probably not doing accumulation intensification pre-comp comp in that, that one month span. Right. But whatever you put there is going to still be linear, you know, makes sense. Yeah. Except a, a pre-competition phase. It's not going to be linear. That's just work yep. for those people yeah uh what other cons um, what, what cons yeah i mean we we hit on we hit on the advanced uh things that you need to think about in linear periodization um on the client side and this is like client and coach side there's always that weirdness of like i'm giving them the same work and it might be boring mm-hmm. yeah so i guess a, a con in linear periodization uh typically is that uh you know it's predictable which is is actually a pro for an amount of people and it's a con for an amount of people people that need to be like stimulated where they're just like oh i want to do this shit and this shit and this shit you know what i mean but then you have some people that are like i want to settle in for eight weeks and i want to you know see that linear progress week over week um and then i want to come out of it and then i'm going to do it again with another set of exercises um but yeah boredom boredom could be an issue um and then uh coaches being very impatient and linear periodization as well, um, i.e. I set out this 12-week training program and I make such a – and let's say I want, like, exercise selection to be the same over 12 weeks. Coaches are – too many coaches are afraid to, like, give people the same amount of volume and intensity over time or the same amount of volume while increasing intensity over an amount of time. Um, and they'll just go, like, from 10 to 8, week 1 to 2, and they jump 20 pounds, and they don't realize they have 11 more weeks to go uh, to progress. So uh, coaches have to be patient based on how long that, that split is. So, yeah, I mean, those would be those would be the cons that stick out immediately to me. What about working on, like, multiple characteristics at the same time? Because if you're, you know, hitting on all 12s to 15s or 10s to 12s um, in that, like, phase of training, you can expect that, like, you know, top-end strength might not be where it is while you're in that accumulation phase. Um, 
What are you asking there, though? Like, can, can you, are you able to, um, let's not say maximize, but uh, improve all characteristics? So, like, you know, strength, hypertrophy, power, speed, everything at the same time, if you're opting to go with linear periodization? Um, I mean, the, the easy answer is no, but the um, more complex answer is you can improve a lot of different characteristics by just giving people a decent amount of work. And I don't even think this, this, this really has nothing to do with linear periodization, but just like, you know, what you said in those characteristics, you can get someone stronger, bringing them through an accumulation phase, right? Like people get stronger when they do more work, right? Like, I know that's kind of weird for people to think about. It's like, don't we have to do singles, doubles, and triples to get stronger? It's like, no, you're starting to accumulate a lot of volume, a lot of tonnage, um, you know, the, the nervous system is, is more easily able to do that. Um, and someone can actually, you know, squat more yeah. <laughs> coming out of an accumulation phase. Um, you start to think about fatigue, right? You think about fatigue in an accumulation phase going from, you know, uh, volume to intensity. Yeah, it gets a little weird for people because I think people have, uh, a lot of people for intermediate to advanced trainees, their expectations are too high relative to what happens from week four to week eight in that linear periodization piece, right? Like you have to take into account all of the fatigue that happened in all those weeks and what you're expecting to happen four weeks from now. We can't ignore fatigue. That's like a, that's, that's real. So that's why for more advanced trainees, we have to, we have to change up exercise selection a little more uh, frequently because they get so fatigued from hitting like tens in a back squat. So imagine just jumping on a 10, like a, a back squat program that's intended to increase your 10 rep max. What will week three feel like in that, in that program? Holy shit. Like I want to get out of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, you got to take in, you have to take into account everything that you did in the previous weeks and how that's going to affect what you're going to be doing three weeks from now. Certainly. Um, so no, you can't, you can't, uh, you know, principally, you can't increase all of those things uh, with every person just because you're giving them work and progressing that work linearly. You have to focus on those things, right? And there's things that take away from power, right? High, very high volume and a lot of tension takes away from uh, power, right? Like you're not going to be as powerful at the end of a very high volume intent or uh, accumulation phase as a low volume high CNS demanding intensification phase. You can preserve power a lot better in those phases. So yeah, so many considerations. Yeah. Should we uh, move on to undulating periodization? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So uh, we talking daily undulating periodization, weekly, <sighs> bi-weekly? Uh, let's just put it all. all? <laughs> yeah, let's just put it all there, right? So this would be non-linear periodization or undulating periodization. Um, this is usually like just think of like you know west side yep right like what what those guys do and what what louis you know made his name doing um and having different intentions on different days of the week so you're not truly in an accumulation phase you're doing like uh you know uh you know rep method on on monday so you're focusing on hypertrophy on monday and then on wednesday you're focusing on power and then on Wednesday max, you know what I mean? Like you're, you're mm -hmm. doing multiple things throughout the week. So, you know, when we look at like day, daily undulating periodization, we're, we're talking about that. We're talking about like weekly. We're talking about like this week we're doing this, that week we're doing this, this week. Like so, a Wendler or something for weekly. Yeah. 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 So, um, 
yeah, that would be that. And it's, it's, it's funny because we call it nonlinear periodization, but when you actually look at the programs and what's happening inside of it, there tends to be a natural linear periodization that happens. Let's say that Monday is my max, um, like I'm going to do a maximum effort upper day on Monday, right? Naturally, when I go from week one to week two to week three to week four, um, in exercise selection, there's like, there's some, some thoughts of like, you know, how much load am I pushing week over week if we're like calculating tonnage and all of that stuff. So, uh, for example, let's say that, you know, Monday this week, and, and we're just focusing on the pull, like Monday, I want to do a maximum effort, uh, uh, pull activity. So I'm going to do a, uh, pronated strict pull up. And let's say that I'm stronger supinated next week. Naturally, I'd be like, man, I want to do a little bit more weight, right? So I'm going to make it a supinated weighted strict pull up. So, you know, whereas this week I hit 120 pounds next week, I'm going to hit 130 pounds. It's like, what does that start to look like? That starts to look like linear periodization. And I'm not saying that's the case with absolutely every, you know, undulating model, but you see that very frequently when you look at, uh, programs. And as you extend it out as well, the next time you return to that strict pronated pull up, you're probably going to try and do a little bit more weight than you did the time prior. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's important that, uh, they differentiate it from linear periodization because you have to think about it a lot differently, right? You're thinking about, you know, what is my goal for this cycle? Because there's always goals of the cycle, right? Like we're not just, they're not, those guys aren't just going in there and doing random stuff. Um, you know, if the goal is to, to, you know, increase the bench press specifically, that undulating program is going to be built in a way that they ensure the bench press goes up when they retest the bench press at their next powerlifting meet. So yeah, there's some, some linear, there's some linear ideals in there, but, um, it just doesn't look like your classic, like, you know, we're staying in this phase, we're in accumulation, we're doing this for eight weeks and that, you know what I mean? It's just more, uh, it's more dynamic, which is, you know, more, it's a, it's a better idea for a more advanced trainee. Um, it's a better idea for someone that has multiple like sporadic competitions throughout the year. Yep. Um, it's ideal for, uh, someone that's, you know, that has a very long and extended, uh, in season. So, you know, you play a sport and your, your season is 16 weeks. It's like, you're probably not going to do a phase of a four week phase of accumulation on the front end of your season and then deload and then do it again. Like that just doesn't make sense. So, um, it's, uh, it's good to, to keep readiness at a fairly high level throughout the year. Yeah. On the um, con side, for a novice trainee, they might look at that and be like, I don't really know what to do with this. Mm-hmm. Uh, they probably aren't able to create like a strength endurance or a max contraction that they need to get that like tough dose one day, easier dose on Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, what other negatives would you say? Um, gosh, I mean, there's... There's a lot of negatives in, in any program, right? But it's uh, it's someone's inability to adapt to the work that they're doing, right? So if, if someone needs to learn how to lift weights, like this, it's probably not a, it's probably not a great, it's probably not a great program for that person because it's so, it's so sporadic, right? Like once they're feeling good on like their rep day, they're like, okay, I'm getting into the groove. And then they're asked to do something like really fast and dynamic the next day. And they're like, oh shit, like, I, I can't do this. So it's like inabilities to do something or, you know, for someone that needs a lot of very specific work to get better at that thing, they're not going to get it in this method because it's, it's just that it's too sporadic for them. 
it can be beneficial to help manage fatigue over time as someone gets more intermediate advanced as well correct uh or not i I wouldn't say manage fatigue no just because when we start to look at recovery right and it's like what how when our bodies are at the the highest state of recovery or being able to recover from work it comes through uh our bodies being able to predict and adapt to what's happening because a a non-linear program is so sporadic, like I said, you're dosing it with different things day over day. So it's like day one, day one, I'm like just fatiguing uh, mechanically, right? Like I'm so beat up mechanically. And then day three, I come and then I'm like fatiguing the CNS because I'm working on dynamic high power output stuff. And then on day four, um, you know, I'm, I'm hitting a max effort and my body's like, I don't know what to adapt to or to recover from. Right. So, um, I think that's the, actually, I think that would be a con mm-hmm. being able to recover from that work because a pro would be for people that need different stimuluses throughout the week to, uh, to like kick their body into a quicker adaptation mode. Uh, this model would give them that. So yeah, just recovering from, from these sessions would be more challenging for people. Anything else on uh, undulating periodization? Um, no, I did it a lot. I used to do this. Yeah, I used to do uh, undulating a ton. Uh, I worked with uh, Joe DeFranco for a while, mm-hmm. um, and it was like his go-to. Um, so we we did a lot of this stuff back in the uh, back in the football days, and I always felt like I was um, I always felt like I was training for entertainment. I don't know if that makes sense, but it almost looked like it was almost like uh, because every day was so different and not as predictable. I was never able to like find a groove. Every day was so different that it was like, I don't know, like even remembering those training sessions, it seemed like every week was like a new training program, which was, yeah, I didn't like it. I wasn't a fan of it. You could use undulating method and keep exercises the same though correct and Mm -hmm. just be manipulating reps and volume and intensity yep okay yep okay cool yeah yeah we just had a awkward for georgia two second hey i don't mind it it's all good gave me your photographer what are those eyes called it's when you squinch it's where you pull up your lower lids just like this (laughs) sorry for anyone on audio no no idea (laughs) How to pull up my... I'm still working on that. I'm trying to pull up my lower lids. So lo- lower lid. And don't <laughs> don't put your teeth together when you smile. That's a terrible face, girl. <laughs> <laughs> let's, go, um, let's go block periodization. Yeah, let's do it. So two to four week periods, specific periods focused on different characteristics. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, manipulating volume and intensity every couple weeks. Yeah. Um, yeah, so block periodization would be relative to the other two would be the newer method yeah. of um of periodization um it starts to look very similar to undulating in a lot of uh in a lot of programs that you look at like if you just sit back and you look at a bunch of uh undulating versus block models and you look at those extended over like 32 weeks they start to look very very similar um yeah block is yeah, I haven't I haven't given block to I've probably given it less than five times actually. So I don't have a ton of experience giving it. Um and I don't have a ton of experience giving it because I haven't really done it. Um Yeah, I always thought it was like uh 
not right for me for some reason. Yeah, I never got into it. Why would someone give block? Um, it's it's undulating, but you give time to adapt. You give a little bit more time to adapt. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's almost like uh, it's almost like the the contraction. Um, it's almost like the idea of going through like uh, blocks of contractions, right? Where it's like, I'm going to spend two weeks or four weeks in isometrics. Then I'm going to spend two weeks or four weeks in, uh, heavy concentrics only. And then I'm going to spend, you know what I mean? That's like, that's an, that's a, that's an idea of block periodization, right? So it's like this big model. And it's interesting when you look at it, it's this big model of, of a progression done over actual larger periods of time. So we say like, you know, two to four weeks and like, oh, that's so quick. But when you look at the work that's happening, you're doing very similar things for those two to four weeks. So you could, you would take like, you know, block one, block two, block three, block four, you just worked on uh, four different characteristics. And that was like a phase. And then you go down to block five, block six, but and then you build block six looks look or sorry, block five looks like a progression on block one, block, so on and so forth. So it's actually a you can make it fairly extensive uh in terms of how long each phase of training is if you're not if you're not saying a block is a phase it's just a block and then all those blocks or accumulation of those blocks or phases um yeah i could see some coaches having fun with that just not for me never got into it yeah i uh it's almost like a, a more linear version of undulating periodization if you were to depends on what you put in it though right yeah. like that's what gets because uh, all we're looking at in terms of just uh, like raw definition of block periodization is just you're working on a characteristic for that block of time. It could still be, it could be completely random shit, but you're just working on that characteristic. So like if we looked at the, you know, um, progression of contraction types, you're just working on isometrics for two to four weeks. And I'm, I don't want to say that like that's the only option, but I think it's really easy for people to understand. You're only working on those things for two to four weeks. So you could put anything in there. It's like you can do, you know, uh, dead stop, paused, you know, front squats. Um, you can do like, you know, pin, pin backs, pin isometric back squats. You can do a bunch of different random stuff in that two to four weeks. And there could be no rhyme or reason in it. You're just like, you're like, I just want to do a bunch of isometrics. Then you do the same in the next phase or you can do what you said. You can make it very linear inside of those blocks. Um, just depends. Yeah. Is there, is there normally like in the inside of the like pure inside of the blocks inside of the large block like the two to four two to four two to mm -hmm. four weeks would you typically go though like lower intensity moderate intensity higher intensity across yeah. those three yeah okay yeah yeah so if you yeah if you did take that linear approach and you're like okay i want to look at intensities and how that's laid out and that's why i went isometrics concentric eccentric, eccentric. as examples because those are examples of intensity increasing if that makes sense. Absolutely does. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, gosh, just because I don't, uh, I don't want to just go off of, um, you know, what I read. I don't want to throw out like very specific pros and cons because I don't have a lot of experience in it. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Well, have guys, you, have you done any block stuff? No, before? I haven't. No, I haven't. I'm not familiar with it. Um, in my own practice. So mm -hmm. linear and undulating yeah. and then random shit. I've done some random shit before too myself. <laughs> <laughs> which is really like our uh, last last uh, form of periodization, which is not actually really having a plan. But uh, the reality is if you're 
sitting down in your Coach RX and you're riding a workout for the day, you are putting structure in place even if you don't know it. Yeah. Gosh, I, I think the only true way to randomly do a workout is putting a bunch of shit <laughs> – like CrossFit style, like Hopper, right? Yeah. It's like I have a bunch of stuff in this thing. I come into the gym. I'm going to spin it, and I'm going to do whatever the hell this thing tells me to do. That's that's truly random, but argument would be it's not that random because what if I put a very specific amount of exercises in that Hopper? So let me, let me, uh, let me change my stance on that. If every exercise and every modality possible could go in that Hopper and you're spinning it and taking it out, then it would truly be random. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. But if um, not, like, you always have the knowledge of what you did prior and like what you're probably feeling like tomorrow when you ride that workout. I think uh, even if you say, I don't periodize, you're still doing it. Yeah. I think the issue is because, I, I mean, I think it's I think it's good practice for people to like, uh, you know, to attempt to with a good amount of experience to self-regulate what you're doing in the gym on a day-to-day basis and go by feel. Coming to the gym <laughs> – get on a bike and think about what your program is going to be for the day. Um, but even when you do that, there's, there's probably a structure in place, right? Like, you know, if you're a coach, you're probably like, Oh, I'm going to do these patterns today, or I'm going to do aerobic work, or I'm going to do this or that. Um, the, the, where it gets weird is, you know, when we start talking about someone else giving you random design or someone else thinking about that design and giving you a, uh, a linear design because their linear design is absolutely not linear for you, right? Like when we start looking at templates and a bunch of people doing the same work, it can be very intelligently laid out, but usually that work is survival of the fittest or the person that's designing it is designing it for a very particular type of person. And let's say that type of, let's say a thousand people are doing the the program, Uh, you know, 50 of them are going to fit that you know, that person, and they're going to see some really good success on it. Um, but I think it's when people try to follow a, a random program that's put out uh, via template, and it's they're outside of the 50 out of 1,000. That's just a completely random number like that. There's no data to back that up. They're outside of that. That's when they're just doing bad designs. Like, they shouldn't be doing that work. And that's where we would say templates fall short most of the time is when it's not working for that those 50 people. And now you kind of mentioned it the other day, Carl, but uh, individual design and the way that we program for our clients is almost like this other form of periodization, whereby there is this like, I don't want to say like self-regulation because we're writing programs for people, but we're looking at what that client did in a week, how they experienced, you know, symptoms of like fatigue or sleep dysregulation or whatever that might be going Mm -hmm. on. And then we're getting to manipulate that on a weekly basis. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I remember I called it um, uh, reactive periodization. Yeah. yeah, yeah, so new one. So we have linearization, linearization. Lineation. Lineation. I think that might be a word. Lineation. <laughs> and then we have uh, reactive periodization. So, yeah, when I said that, I, all, all I meant was, like, we, we have some kind of plan on the front end, and our best practice is to review our clients' training programs and continue that plan or pivot on that plan slightly based on what their results are and what their feedback is. So that's a that's a form of reactive periodization. Proactive periodization would be I'm going to sit down and I'm going to write a 12-week training program that is not keeping in mind or not considering what happens week one to two to three to so on and so forth. 
So that's proactive. It's like I wrote it, I give it to you, and then I'm out. Reactive is I planned it, I write it one week at a time, and then I adjust it based on uh, how what you're able to do or not. I adjust it based on you know what happens in life and, and all of that. So yeah, just a more reactive form. Yeah, you might have an idea in your head of like over this 12-week split, I want my client to build uh, volume on their strict pull-ups. But let's say you get to week four and you're giving them, you know, three sets of eight to 10. And the next week you're planning on going three sets of 10 to 12, but they could only do seven reps on that first week. You're probably not going to go to the 10 to 12. <laughs> you're going to have to pivot a little bit on your plan there and pull it back a little bit and see what, what went wrong. And uh, yeah, I think it's really important to be able to be a little, a little fast and be yeah. prepared to react, like you said. Which is not that scalable. Like we talked it's about not, in the beginning. This is not unless the AI uh, can, yeah, can consider it. that and recognize yeah. it, which hopefully it'll be able to at some point. Yeah, yeah. Or not. I mean, yeah. depends on it, it whether will. we want to be replaced or not. It will. It can now. It can do that shit now. Yeah, it can make adjustments based on uh, inputs. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, another thing that uh, we wanted to hit on today was the idea of being so married to what that initial plan is uh, for every single one of your clients. And this is what brought it up uh, in our immersion, during our immersion when we're doing the Q&A with James. Uh, we had a question on, I think we had a question on, uh, was it deloads? It was, uh, you know what it was, was uh, periodization for clients that don't have specific goals. Got it, got it, yep, yep. So um, yeah, I think we get so locked into those models. Um, whether it is reactive, whether it is proactive, whether whether it is linear, blah, blah, blah. Um, but the reality of it is, is that um, we can actually manipulate things on a week to week basis. And we can build this, we can build this 12 week program that we can actually extend out forever. Imagine, imagine, imagine this, like, I'm coaching you I always give these like examples. Imagine this, buckle in. Um, All right, let's, I'm coaching uh... you. And we get to this point where I'm like, Georgia, what's your ideal schedule? Like, what is it? And you're like, okay, I want to do BJJ on, I want to have a BJJ heavy day on Monday, uh, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And then I want to do resistance training. Uh, however many times you want me to do resistance training, Carl, because you're so, so smart. You know everything, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I still want to breathe and feel good, right? So just build my program. And I was like, okay, let's go Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We're going to have... You know, we're going to have three BJJ days. Georgia, I want you to have a light BJJ day on Wednesday. I'm going to put a, I'm going to put resistance training in your design three days a week. That's it. We're going to do resistance three days a week. And we're going to do no in gym aerobic work. We're going to do all of our aerobic work is going to be in nature. And you're like, okay, I'm on board with that plan. And we build this week out. And this is like Georgia's perfect week. Nothing ever changes. She never goes on vacation blah, blah, blah. She never misses BJJ day. And we're like, okay, we have this, we have this perfect split and we take it a level deeper and we're like, okay, what are some characteristics of BJJ? Like where, where, how can we build this thing? So you could have like really good BJJ sessions and still feel good in the gym. And we build this body part split and we're like, okay, um, you know, your, your resistance training on Tuesday is going to involve this. Right. And we lay out these like four patterns of movement we do four patterns every day that you do resistance and that's your design like that's your split we can do that exact split forever right so it's like what does periodization look like for georgia and georgia doesn't have very specific resistance training goals 
it's like we're just gonna you know give you these patterns and we're gonna have fun with progression right um you know maybe week one you're going to be doing a goblet reverse lunge maybe week two you're going to be doing an overhead axle bar walking lunge maybe week three you're gonna you know what i mean so on and so forth and i'm just dosing you with work that's like within your capabilities and you're able to recover from that work uh, as it relates to volume because we know based on your training age and your goals and blah, 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 we're just going to be in this like uh, perpetuity of accumulation. And it's like I'm just giving you work to do that challenges you forever. And you're like, hey, Carl, what week are we in? And I'm like, we're in week 16 of 380. Yeah, it depends how long you live. Yeah, yeah, right? So uh, I hope you live longer than 380 <laughs> weeks. Me too. I don't think that's that long. This gave me another like seven years, dude. But <laughs> uh, I, I meant 3,000. Uh, okay, so yeah, we can do that. And it's like, you know, what kind of periodization is that? It's like, it's just reactive periodization. We're just giving you exactly what you need in that week. Because you don't have specific goals. And we're like aligned on that. We agreed on it. So you understand this. And, you know, we still have a great relationship and we do this, we do that. And it's like everything's good, right? And I don't have to ever think about what do I do in periodization for Georgia because she doesn't have any specific resistance goals. Yeah. And because you've laid that out and we've had that conversation, you're not thinking to yourself, hmm, I should probably be like testing Georgia's back squat. 1RM every, you know, eight weeks to make sure yeah. that's improving. And I'm not like, Carl, hey, why isn't my back squat going up? Mm-hmm. Because we both know that the goal isn't to improve my back squat, insert any lift, insert any energy system training assessment. Yeah. It's to uh, just be able to be a support for what I'm doing on the mat. You know, but you know, it's interesting. It's like week 80, you could be like, hey, Carl, I, I really want to focus on getting better at this specific thing. And it's like, we can do that and we can keep the same exact split And we can prioritize the order of exercises, what we're doing in those exercises, and we can just roll with that. And it's like, okay, we're going to, we're going to do this assessment to see how good you're at it. Now we're going to do a program for eight weeks and we're going to retest to see if it got any better or not. Right. It's like, we can actually pivot within the confines of, of that design that we just wrote. And I'm not saying everyone should go and like try to figure out how to write this like split that someone can use for the rest of their lives. But it's an interesting uh, thought experiment to do it. And um, I think it opens our eyes to like, you know, we can just do work as long as that work is within someone's capabilities and we could do that work forever. And that can actually be okay, you know? Yeah. Last question there and then we'll wrap up. If I said to you, hey, Carl, I want to compete. I've got a tournament four months from now. Would that change your approach as my fitness coach? Um, if you said I have a tournament in BJJ, I'm competing. We have this, sorry, I'm thinking obviously as I'm saying this, I have this tournament. No, it wouldn't. Yeah. No, it would change the amount of work I give you. Yep. Uh, in resistance, but it wouldn't change anything. It's not changing the goal of the resistance. The resistance is just still there for support. Yeah. 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 Yep. Sorry. I just got a text from, uh, Melissa Gutron. Hey, Melissa. Text you back when I'm done. She'll get this. (laughs) She'll get this next week. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, any last uh, points on periodization you want to hit, Carl? Yeah. Um, that it's, it's, it's almost, I think it's, like I said at the beginning, it's great for context. But it's not great when we think that it's the end-all, be-all, and we have to, like, follow this very specific model with the person that wants to do BJJ three times a week and resistance three times a week. 
it's not that it's not that important it's it's really not um yeah gosh maybe we do maybe we have another conversation on like like fitness and and exercise and like why everyone does it now that's a big one um and i think our answers our answers actually might be similar but um yeah that's that's where you have to start with with your clients it's like why why are we here why are we doing this because those the the answer to your client's question could actually determine how important periodization is or not you yeah. know what i mean because if someone says hey i'm here because i want to be here forever it's like we don't we, we don't have to think about anything else except for giving them work that they can do forever yeah the um the long-term plan whether the goal is to like you said just be here forever do work forever feel great or to step on the world stage and win a gold medal that's mm-hmm. really going to change the emphasis you put on it but there will be some form of long-term plan for everyone yeah and coaches have to be honest in terms of uh you know what their capabilities are as coaches you know because not every this just just comes to mind so someone reach out to me um uh they were a i'm gonna i'm gonna not get this correct i think they were a i think they were i think it was tennis they were, they were a tennis player, um, and they asked if I'd coach them. And I'm like, no. Like, I've never worked with a tennis player before. I've never played tennis. Um, I'm not capable of giving you a really good program to make you better at tennis. I think coaches need to be really honest with themselves and, and who they're able to work with and what their capabilities are. And I said that because you said, like, step on and, and win a gold. It's like not, not every coach really understands that sport enough to be able to coach that person to win that gold so coaches need to understand who the hell they want to actually work with it's a lot of freedom in that yep well guys as always make sure you leave us a review and be sure to subscribe and uh see you next week